0: Man, which creates quite a, a ma- great great amazement, and gives the opportunity for Peter to preach a sermon, in which he deflects the attention and credit from himself to the Lord, and he begins to speak about Jesus and what they had done, and who he really was. Of course, all the sermons in the Book of Acts pretty much get around sooner or later to talking about Jesus as the focal point, as the Savior. And um, that's, that's where we ended uh, in verse 16, that it's through faith in him that this man was made well. And uh, he is the one that we should turn to, obviously, for healing both physical and spiritual as well. And that leads him to the exhortation he's, he makes in the last part of the sermon. So 17 to 26 of chapter 3.
1: And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel and his successors onward, also announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. All right, now look at what he
0: had (laughs) said in the sermon. In 13 he said, you delivered and disowned the one that God glorified. In 14, he said, you disowned the holy unrighteous one. In verse 15, you put to death the prince of life. Those are some pretty serious accusations. Uh, not things that you would want to have said about you. But in a sense, in 17, he softens his tone. What does he say?
1: Active in yeah,
0: You didn't realize that that's what you were doing. And in verse 18, what does he show about these actions?
1: God knew that this was going to happen and he planned it.
0: Yes. God was able to use these wicked choices according to his plan and purpose um, to be fulfilled uh, in, in Christ. So they didn't, it did it in ignorance, and it didn't stymie what God was doing. He was able to further his plan through that. So this, there is an opportunity still for them to be blessed in Christ despite the outrageous conduct that they had engaged in, and he, he encourages them in that. What does he say they need to do? repent and return. Absolutely. What had he said that they needed to do when he'd spoken in Acts chapter 2? Repent and be baptized. It's a consistent message. They need to repent and turn to God in the way that he says. They cannot continue going in the wrong path but if they will repent and turn to God in His way, look at the blessings that they can receive. What what blessings does He outline? Well,
2: Jesus Christ, the first one, because he, he
0: will send Jesus Christ. Yes, but even before that, sins wiped away. and yeah, the first thing is they get their sins, you know, cleansed. Which after they committed these sins that they've done, that would be a particularly. Uh, welcome, blessing, and what's the next thing they get?
2: Refreshment?
0: Yeah, times of of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. What is that talking about? Times of refreshing. Or Micah? I'm not sure. Uh,
2: In my mind, I I picture it as these people have peace in, in a way. That here's the people who have been in sin; that they have done all these things wrong. And here they found peace or refreshment in the Lord. That if they come to the Lord, they can feel this peace or this refreshing idea of they're actually following the Lord, or actually have a purpose. That's something I saw
0: Yeah, maybe we could go a step beyond that. You know, you can see the idea of the forgiveness, the sins being wiped away. We're kind of, you know, we're cleansing the stains and the misdeeds of the past. But it seems like times of refreshing go one step beyond that. What does that? What would that mean to you?
2: Is it connected with what follows? The from the presence of the Lord? Well, does play a part in it, or
0: certainly. I mean, I think that's saying that the times of refreshing come directly from God from God's presence it's not humanly you know achieved it's God given times of refreshing we don't use that phrase you know in in a spiritual sense hope. well hope is encouraging to us well in Acts 2.38 he, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit yes it is that and I suspect these two things sort of occur at the same time it's probably not exactly the same thing. What about this? I mean, when we're cleansed from our sins, doesn't the Lord give us new life, new vigor? Doesn't he give us a fresh start and, and, and blessings that, that um, you know, give us enthusiasm and give us hope and encouragement? So, to me, the times are refreshing. We get, we get a, a new life, a new start, a uh, new energy in these ways. What do you think? Mm. Ephesians 2. Next yes. He raises us up to the heavenly places. Um, you know, the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit in Titus 3. That renewal and regeneration. Uh, It's powerful. Come on in. We're in uh, Acts chapter 3. Looking at uh, verse uh, 19, 20, 21. So their repenting and returning means that uh, their sins will be wiped away, that these times of refreshing come, and verse 20... The opportunity to participate in the return of the Messiah. You know, that he may send Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things that God spoke about. So, God's program, after Jesus was raised, was that Jesus would do what? Where would he go? back to be with God. That's the plan. He goes back to be with God. Is that permanent? What will eventually happen with Jesus? He'll return. He'll return. What will have happened before he returns? I think he's saying that All things have to be restored everything has to be fulfilled that God spoke in the prophets and and then Jesus returns so this is you know Jesus going back to heaven was no breakdown in God's plan or God's control we'll get to participate in his coming back because he's going to heaven until all things are the way God wants them to be. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about it differently. It talks about it as a warfare. Jesus continues in heaven until what happens? As a warrior, what's he doing?
1: Defeating
0: everything. Defeating his enemies. And what's the last enemy he'll defeat? now how does Jesus defeat death (coughs) resurrection exactly so when Jesus comes back and raises men that conquers the last enemy all things will have been restored all things will have been uh, brought back under the dominion of the Lord which is Ephesians 1 that's really the purpose of Jesus is to, to, to do that, and uh, so he stays in heaven, until he comes back and conquers the last enemy, and then we go up before God in judgment. So, if we re- repent and return, our sins are forgiven, we get the times of refreshing that come from God, and he'll send Jesus, we get to participate in the return of Jesus, when when the time has come for the restoration of all things. Now,
2: that's a, little, that's
0: a little deep for Acts chapter 3, perhaps. I mean, you know, these, these uh, sermons are not uh, just, uh, you know, real simplistic. Uh, they're pretty complex, but that's what I see in that uh, through verse 21. Do you have questions and comments?
3: You you think that they would have had a better understanding of this than
0: possibly we would? I mean There there would be some things in the prophets that would certainly give you the idea of the the renewal and refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, often connected with the point yeah. of the spirit and the new life, and the new growth, and the new vigor. So that might be easier to understand in the light of the Old Testament prophets. For all of us, you know, how well you understand something to some extent depends on how much you apply yourself, and they're probably like we are. Some of them probably understood it better, and some, some of them probably didn't get it at all. But it, it's helpful for us to think through these things. I think we get comfortable in expressing things always in the same way. And there's more to it than this, you know, whatever little cliché we use to describe conversion and its benefits. Now, he points out in the last part of this, in 21, about the things that God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time, and then he cites some of those prophets. Who does he cite in 22 and 23? Moses. Moses, who in Deuteronomy 18 said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren that you need to listen to. Who was Moses talking about that God would raise up? Jesus. Jesus. Now does this mean raise up like in the resurrection from the dead? means a point. It means raised to a function. It doesn't mean you know, to raise from the dead. So this is talking about really Jesus becoming a man. Not Jesus being raised from the dead. Uh, God raised him up in the sense that he put him in that role. uh, That we should hear him and if we don't uh, we're not a part of the people of God. And it's not just Moses who spoke about uh, Jesus. Who else had spoken about him in 24? All the prophets. Yeah, all the prophets announced these days. And even think back to the promise to Abraham, the covenant that God made with your fathers, that in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that, the fulfillment of that was in Jesus. He was the seed that through his shed blood provides the atonement potentially for all people in the world. Comments and questions? Is
1: there, is there a significance well, Moses and Abraham and all the prophets from Samuel and his successors onward. And is there a particular significance of those three? I'm thinking of almost like three separate covenants to Abraham, to Moses and then um, to actually to David is what I'm thinking because Samuel would have been delivering part of that message. But that may just be seeing connections
2: where they don't actually exist
0: or even time periods the law the patriarchs and also the prophets yeah I don't know what to say about that maybe certainly there have just been a whole lot of prophets that have talked about this time you know they've been looking forward to it they've been telling about it and now we're the ones we're the recipients of what they had looked forward to so much we need to value those things you know, you're the ones that receive these blessings. For you first, I think talking about to the Jews first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. So, um, God, God blessed us through Christ and and we as the Jews were, those who were Jews, were the first to receive. Comments and questions? chapter
2: 3. It's cool for me to see um, everything of Peter here. Not too far, not too long ago, Peter was probably denying Christ. Um, It's just just amazing for me to see the effect that the Lord's love has had on Peter in such a short period of time. We don't know how short a period of time, obviously we're not for sure, but it, it can't have been too long. Um, Since Peter had stood the night as his his Lord. Um, And for Peter to be able to preach two lessons like Acts 2 and and Acts
0: 3 here. It's pretty incredible. That's encouraging.
2: And it's not because of him. It was not the man. But it was because of the Lord and and the love of the Lord. And it's it's helpful for me to look at and encouraging to see how how much of a change the love of the Lord can bring in, in a person's life like he did Peter.
0: Yes. other thoughts (coughs) notice that he ties this up in the end of chapter 3 God raised up his servant and and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways the blessing is contingent on their turning away from their wickedness that's the point he made back in uh, verse 17 All uh see 19 we bet in return he made an extra 38 and so forth verse 20 it was for you yes so all these things were designed to bless us
2: and if you think about it I mean if I'm standing in this crowd and I've heard everyone I've just killed a man that hurts pretty that hurts pretty bad to know that I've killed a man that loved me as much as this man seemed to love me <laughs> its even worse. Amen. Other thoughts?
0: Well so far things have gone along pretty well for the <laughs> disciples they've been able to preach and people have been turning to the Lord But that is quickly coming to an end. Chapter 4, verses 1-4. to
1: Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, and being greatly disturbed, that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening however many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about five thousand
0: okay so what do these leaders the priests the temple guard the sadducees what did they do
1: threw them in jail threw them in jail why at least partially because they were preaching the resurrection
0: from the dead. And they're trying to cancel out the Great Commission. You know, they're trying to lock them up so they can't preach that. Why were they so upset about them preaching the resurrection of the dead? They're Sadducees. They're Sadducees. What does that have to do with it? I
3: don't believe
0: in that. That's exactly right. This went against one of their cardinal doctrines. And so they they get together... And they're very disturbed about this and they put him in jail. They won't be we preaching on the streets now. And what kind of effect does this have on the believers in verse 4? Just the opposite one what I would have thought you can't you, you can lock the messenger up but you can't lock the message. the word is not bound and uh, you know it's amazing how the progress of the gospel is greater oftentimes in greater adversity. So you can see the common people really were wiser than those who were, Supposed to be devoted to religion. Comments and questions on this first What's the
3: minutes. statement about the blood of martyrs being like the seed? The
0: seed of the church or something yeah. like that? Yeah. If the persecution backfires over and over again, it was Satan's efforts to try to stomp out Christianity. But it's not going to work like he thought it would.
2: Oh, Gary, yes. there in verse 4 when it says that in the latter part
4: the number of the men came to be about 5,000 is that the same number as back in chapter 2 in verse 41? Just that not the same? Probably.
0: Uh, it probably means we've gone from three now to five. Okay. If you'll notice this is a total aside but in Acts uh, it's very common for Luke to use about with a number. He does that all the time.
2: I think it's interesting the point that what well, we just said exactly when Gamaliel says in chapter 5 he says if this is from the Lord then you're not going to be able to stop from growing.
0: That's exactly right.
2: Uh, and, he, and he was wise enough to see that. I mean you can't stop the Lord once they a
0: And they obviously aren't allowing themselves to be intimidated by this. They keep on preaching boldly. That's what (coughs) creates the problem. We'll see that uh, when they get worse for the uh, enemies. All right, comments or questions on those first uh, four verses?
2: I think it's true in many cases of, of adversity that you find people turning to the Lord, not just, you know, opposition to the teaching of the truth, but, you know, when people face financial difficulties or health difficulties, many times it provides an opportunity that somehow didn't present itself in the same way for them to seek some, someone, something, and those who are so inclined find it uh, the right time to seek God. Amen.
3: Well, yeah. there's, there's pressure here too to make up your mind, yes. and, and so people are deciding whether they're going to follow
0: Jesus or not. Wouldn't be as many lukewarm Christians, That's would true. there? <laughs> That's <is> true. <laughs> if you were lukewarm, you'd just get out. Yeah. This is 1. Peter 1. Straight off. You know,
2: it's the yeah. idea of to Buy right.
0: your tribe. That's right. I mean, there's there few chapters in the book of Acts that don't mention persecution.
2: But I want to see it as a bad thing. Yeah.
0: Yes. It certainly didn't seem to be to them.
4: <coughs> it kind of reminds me when I was young, my dad would always try to get rid
2: of the dandelions in the yard. So I'd go help him by finding the lucky ones and kicking them.
1: <laughs>
4: well, that was good yeah. See the seeds
2: everywhere
0: yeah <laughs> so the devil kicked him and spread the seeds
1: hmm.
0: the uh, dandelion pr- principle of uh, spiritual growth <laughs>
1: probably
0: preached a sermon on <laughs> did you just
1: think of that just now well, I thought of it before okay. Alright,
0: look at what happens 5 to 7. They've got him in jail now. Let's see what happens.
2: And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, uh, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, or by what name, have you done this? Alright.
0: So you've got this gathering. Who's all at the gathering? Well, that's a truth. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Um... You know, the rulers, elders, scribes, high priest, others in the high priestly family. Reckon how Peter and John felt in that group? These would be intimidated. Wouldn't it, though? Simple fishermen in the midst of the highest uh, religious leaders in the land, complete with credentials and pedigrees. You know, probably other kind of degrees, too. (coughs) so you know it'd be easy to feel like who am i how can i talk with all these guys here and they interrogate them they put them front and center and they say by what power or in what name have you done this who do you think you are who gave you the right to do these things and what would we say "I'm, I'm, 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 i'm sorry i won't let it happen again you know or whatever That would be easy to do. It would be easy to just be afraid because these are all the important people. And we're two fishermen. How many times do we back down from speaking for the Lord because we're intimidated by the surroundings? These people are too smart. They're too rich. They're too successful. They're too cool. Or whatever. We're afraid we're going to be rejected by somebody we see as being great. comments.
1: <clears throat> it's, it's interesting that it's Peter and John who are brought before them. And if I remember right, Peter and John were the two who were physically closest to Jesus during his trial, before, the, before these people. So they would have... They would have known, perhaps more than others of the apostles, who these people are, and what they're capable of, because they had seen them in action before. Whether they were, you know, in the courtyard, trying to be inconspicuous or, or, or whatever, and so they had seen that.
0: So it's kind of, kind of turned the tables on them, and now they're the defendants. Yeah, It'd be intimidating. <coughs>
1: I, I just, it's just
2: too overwhelming to me, it's just this whole thing, these people are the exact people that have tried Jesus, and then they ask the exact same question that Jesus was asked in Matthew 21. Yes. You know, what power do you have? You know, it just here are these people, here are these men who have already, like I said, not long since their Lord actually died. Are now standing here with the exact opportunity to be like Christ. I mean, perfect. You can, I mean, you can match them up. You know, they were asked the same question in the same play. I mean, how quickly the Lord tests them to see and, and to, to improve their faith.
3: Certainly. Isn't there a likelihood that uh, that? some
0: of these people would have been acquainted with John anyway. You remember John the Baptist? Well, no, John the Apostle. Oh, you're saying because he had some connections inside. Yes.
3: Yeah,
0: Yeah, probably so. (laughs) Well, Peter's fourth speech in Acts. So far every chapter has got one. 8 to 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy
3: Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation than any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved.
0: What do you think about this? The evidence is right before you. Yeah, but, but what are, what's the setting here with Peter and John? Why are they here? They're on trial. They are on trial. But what are they doing? Yes, in a way they are. They don't need a lawyer do they. They don't. <laughs> they go on the offensive. Rulers and elders of the people, but we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man. <laughs> it's Kind of a strange thing to be done on trial for anyway, isn't it If that's what we're on trial for as to how he was made well, well, we'll tell you it was by Jesus Christ the Nazarene whom you crucified and so forth and so on so they were very ready to preach the gospel on trial well they had asked by what power or by what name have you done this exactly they said oh you mean benefiting this sick man oh we will be glad to tell you they're getting a little dig in there So it's through Jesus. You know, he's very clear about that. He doesn't try to hide that at all. He he wants them to know that. He's the Jesus whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. So that's who did this. He's the stone rejected by you, the builders. Can you imagine building something out of stone? and come into a stone that you think, I can't use this. It's not shaped it's not whatever, throwing it out. And God taking the one they threw out and making it as the main stone in his building. That's, that's what Jesus was. You know, he was the stone that the Jews, the builders, rejected, but that God made the chief cornerstone. And he says he's the only means of salvation. So what do you think about this?
2: Let's find out the answer they were expecting.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: wow! Going on the offensive <clears throat> on trial? You know, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity they can preach right here in the, on trial. <laughs> what would you think about that? Is that I mean, Is there anything that would bother you about doing this? Well, it would seem from one perspective that maybe they would be sealing their doom by doing this. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. You know, this is probably not the answer they want. It, It doesn't fit very well with the decorum of the setting. You know, what do you expect the defendant to do? himself, maybe apologize maybe, you know, whatever but
1: not insult the judges that's exactly yeah. right yeah. Yeah. it's one of those things you, they teach you in law school don't insult the judge, just don't do it <laughs> they.
0: do they really have to teach that? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: to some of them <laughs>
3: no. yeah. well, Jesus had told them that they would stand before kings and rulers and, and that they wouldn't have to worry about what they would say it would be given to them by the Holy Spirit but Still at the same time they had to have the courage to, to speak out.
0: Yes. Well and the other well, another thing that Jesus had told them back in Luke twenty-one thirteen, he says it will lead for an to an opportunity for your testimony. Mm-hmm. And, and it was when they bring you before kings and governors for my sake. That's Luke twenty-one thirteen. That'll just be an opportunity for you to preach this message. So they're telling these judges It's by Jesus' name that this man stands well, whom you crucified. So maybe we need to be a little less embarrassed and a little less politically correct and diplomatic, maybe even a little less polite and speak more direct It's, it's certainly uh, challenging to me. And, and I mean, to go on in 12 and say he's the only one we can be saved by. He's the exclusive source of salvation. And Peter has absolute conviction. We're in this world where, well, maybe, you know, maybe some people can be saved by this person, some people can be saved by that person or whatever. He doesn't believe that. This is the only one. It's, it's, it's Jesus or there's no salvation. That's, that's the conviction of the New Testament writers. Somebody says, Well, I think there's other ways to be saved outside of Jesus. They're not in step with what the Bible says. All right, comments and questions through
2: 12.
1: Verse 10, the beginning is, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. So they're in this trial, and they expect what they are saying to be spread. To everyone in Israel, to all the people of Israel, and it's just kind of, kind of neat. They're like, okay, you want to know? Okay, fine. Everybody else needs to know too. Everybody. They needs want to know everybody
0: to know, absolutely.
1: And looking at verse nine, if, if we were on trial for doing supposedly, you know, doing something good for someone, would we be convicted? That was my throwaway
0: comment. Okay. Other questions?
3: The term used in verse 13, boldness, tells me that we misapply that term in a lot of contexts
0: today if this is what being bold equates to. Well, how do we apply boldness, do you think?
2: I, you know... You should, uh, at least I personally see a lot of times people you know, standing up in the face in the face of authority for their own right you know, not necessarily for such a just cause
0: yeah good point and this wow this is just being so full of the Lord you're going to talk about him anywhere you are I just, I still, I think in my own life and the life of other Christians, we we just don't, I mean, we, we aren't where we need to be in terms of just talking about the Lord. You know, if you can talk to about Him on trial, then where can't you talk about it? But we'd feel like, well, you know, wouldn't it be kind of rude? You know, and somebody comes to your home to fix the plumbing, and you tell them something about Jesus. I mean, you know, they didn't ask for that. <laughs> you just had him come in and fix the plumbing. You know, is it really, is it really proper, tell him anything about the Lord? Well, isn't that almost the way we are? You know, it's like, well, you know, that'd be inconvenient. That might be, uh, you know, inconsiderate. Yeah, inconsiderate. Yeah, that's that, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, maybe maybe it just wouldn't be, you
4: know, good etiquette. Maybe we should look at it. If he's doing his job plumbing, and we need to be doing our job by spreading the word.
2: Amen. <laughs> you know, well,
0: I mean, they've got, uh, you know, I don't know, they got free meals at some really great restaurant around here you're gonna keep it quiet probably because you want to get home for yourself but you know if you love people you tell them and
3: it's not as though the evidence is not in I mean right here's the the man who's been healed
0: the evidence is, is is in for us it's a perfect opening he's been healed we want you to know why and he's the guy that doesn't just heal; he's the source of salvation for every man. Well, was the guy's
2: focus? That
0: would be the perfect guy for us to be well, That's a really bad time to that up. Yeah, I know. Think I better be get out, getting out of prison before I start doing much more preaching. We try to hide it too. Try to do it in the
2: shadows.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're, are they trying to hide their commitment to the Lord?
1: This is not um, stealth
0: evangelism Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, this is not, um, I don't know if this is the right term, but this is not friendship evangelism. You know, it's not the idea of, well, you know, try to, try to get so close to people and, and really build up bonds sufficiently that then you get the right to share something about the Lord with them. And, and maybe you can, you know, you can bring them in kind of on the force of your, your bond with them. This is not that. This is just open, bold declaration of the Lord and who He is before a hostile audience. Yes. I mean, whoever said you have to be friends with somebody before you tell them about the Lord? We want to make sure, you know, I'm, this is a broad brush, and I'm, maybe not everybody's in this situation, but, but I think in general we want to be sure that we can do it in such a way that nobody gets upset with us. You know, what kind of preaching techniques, teaching techniques can we use that everybody will still be happy with us and
1: never really realize we tried to evangelize them? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then suddenly, several years later, they wake up and go, they tried to convert me! Oh no! Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, I think, that... Um, Even though Peter is being bold and confident, I'm not, I I don't think he's being disrespectful.
0: Uh, You're answering the question.
1: He's, I mean, he, I remember reading something about the book of Acts and how all of these speeches follow particular patterns of, you know, who are you talking to and this type of thing, and that it was just typical. You know, it's like when you're about to give a speech, you greet everyone that's there, you know, and and all this. But he does address them with respect, at least with their titles. Sure. You know, yeah, he does, you know, sort of uh, accuse them of murder later on, but even then he's... (laughs) I mean, the whole thing is kind of... It's not... It's bold, but it's not rude. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, I don't know. They may have thought it was rude. I don't know. But it's like, okay, they ask you the question, how did you do this? What's the right answer? By Jesus. Now, you're just going to say that? Well, you've got to tell them who Jesus is, and you might as well, while you're at it, tell them the significance of Jesus in their life as well. What do we say when somebody says, you know, gives us some compliment? You know, wow, you are really, you do this really well. Do we ever say, uh, well, let me tell you how that happens. Not me. By the power of the Lord. We get opportunities that we don't take advantage of. Because we're not focused on talking about the Lord. I'm in the same boat. The book of Acts helps me in a lot of ways but the more I'm studying it and talking about them the more it makes me realize man I want to be like they were. You know you just talk about the Lord because he really kind of enters into just about everything that happens. And you don't worry about what they think. It's,
3: it's what they were full of too. Maybe we're not full enough of the Lord.
0: uh... Because we do it when we are full of something. You know, when you're really wrapped up in some sports team, how much of an opening do you need to get to talk about it? You know, if we happen to be, maybe we aren't, but some of you might be, we happen to be really politically minded, you know, what does Obama need to say today before we tell everybody what we think about it? You know, Puraka. You know, and so forth. You talk about what you care about, what you're passionate about. You know, so if we if we're full of the Lord, we tell about it. Where whenever, whenever, however. Say Okay. Other comments. Look at the response here. This is kind of intriguing. I mean, you know, uh, can you imagine being one of these, uh, you know, Jewish leaders? You brought them in on trial. You're interrogating them. Just preached your sermon. You know, what do you do with this, 13 to 18?
4: Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to go aside out of the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that they may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to any man in, in, in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Alright, so what's, their, uh, what, what's the reaction
0: of these uh, leaders in verse 13?
4: Speechless. Yeah. They are amazed. What amazes them? Trained and uneducated man.
0: Wow! <laughs> <clears throat> this is just 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 amazing. Just flabbergasted. They I mean, see the boldness of these men. They've never been to seminary. You know, they've not been taught by any of the great rabbis. I mean, and yet they just boldly right out there in this trial, preach a powerful sermon, and they don't flinch. Why did they? figure out about them.
4: Have yeah, they been with
0: the Lord? They've been with the Lord. That's the only explanation. You don't need to be a seminar be in seminary. You'd be with the Lord. And, and it just it reminds them of of the Lord probably. What do you do in their situation, I mean, think about the poor predicament of these Jewish leaders. Because what do they want to do? They want to stop the preaching. They want to stop the preaching, and so what would be convenient if they could do it in view of what just happened?
1: They could say, "Now this guy was actually a plant. He, no one knew him before. He could actually walk on his own. So this is all fake, like those magicians in Las Vegas." Absolutely,
0: man. The thing that would help them out is they could just prove this was a fraud. If they could just deny it, nothing ever happened. There's only one big problem they've got with saying that. What's that? It's all the man in Yeah, that's very inconvenient for them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, what do you do? No, no, um, lame, man, lame men don't walk. <laughs> You know, Jesus didn't heal, the, this, this man is not healed. It's just I mean, what do you say? Do you say he's not walking? Do you say it's not the same man that everybody knew because he was laying there at the gate of the temple every day? You look Kind of stupid anyway, those, those you go to. I mean, do you, and, and they, they're trying to figure this out. Oh, no, so what do we do? You know, we can't really deny that the noteworthy miracle took place because everybody knows that. So they have to resort to plan B. You know, a little different strategy. Do you see something that's really um, troubling about their reasoning? Yeah,
3: the only option they didn't consider is is the truth. Yeah!
0: It's like, they're just trying to figure out how to get the thing stopped. They never consider the evidence value of what happened. Their minds were made up already. You know, how do they how do they how do they get people not to believe? Now, if there was any conceivable doubt about this miracle, they would have exposed it as a hoax. That would've helped. If they could have proven, you know, this was some kind of hocus pocus and it's not really legitimate, well they'd have done that. But it's really hard to do that in this situation. There's just not They just don't have a lot of places to go with that. Notice in verse 22 they'll say, the guy was over 40 years old on whom the miracle was performed. It wasn't yesterday or the day before he hadn't walked. You know, he hadn't been walking for 40 years. So what do they decide to do?
1: Intimidate
0: them. Intimidate them and
1: command them not to speak or teach at all in the name
0: of Jesus. Yes, you must not speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. The only way that they can cope with the truth is to get it to be silent. Now, do you think they think that these guys will quit speaking? I don't think they do. I think they like it. But I mean... Well, I just don't think, even for them, that's a very likely scenario. So why waste their time commanding them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus? They have to do something. Well, yeah, they have to do something. I think there's something more to do to it than that.
1: It's, it's, this is their warning.
0: Yes. So the next
1: time, they can't say, well, you can't, you can't punish us because... We didn't know you wanted us to stop.
0: It's it's forming the basis for further judicial proceedings against them when they violate this court order. I think that's a lot the mentality here. They'll be in contempt of court now if they speak again about Jesus. But can't you close your eyes to the evidence totally and just decree them into silence. Are we ever like that? I mean, have you ever had a time when you just tried not to know what the Bible said about something so you wouldn't have to feel bad about what you decided to do? You know, I I remember, this has been 30 years ago. Uh, I was, there was a, there was a couple who had just been converted in a church I was part of there was a young couple that were neighbors to them that had converted them. And there was a question about the marriage of the young couple. And, you know, the young couple who converted them, I was talking with them and they're like, well, you know, we've heard a lot of stuff about marriage and divorce, but I don't, we don't really know if that's all really right or not. You know, we're kind of thinking about that again. So we just sat down and we, you know, talked about what the Bible said. And about 15 minutes later they said, yeah, we thought that was the truth. We just didn't (laughs) want to face it. And uh, aren't we like
2: that sometimes?
0: You know, we've got some reason why we don't want something to be the truth. So we try to close our eyes and hide. Please don't show me that passage. I don't want to see that. I don't want to know it. They don't want to know. They don't want to hear anything about this anymore. Please don't make them... You don't know, have to deal with this. If they can get them quiet, then maybe it really will go away. And maybe it's not really true. It's, it's how we do sometimes. But it's very foolish. So they are strictly ordered not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Comments your question?
4: You know, I think we do that at times where you know, we don't want to see the passage because we only want to serve the Lord when it's given for us. You know, when it's just exactly. the, the easy thing to do, you know, when we should strive to love Him with all that we have. Is, uh, Mark 12, 30 says to love the Lord. you God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You know, tell us we need to love Him with everything we have, you know. So. Amen. Is there any significance as to why they
5: don't say stop performing miracles? Because if I were them, I'd probably include that along there
0: and say... I think there might be. Why would they not say that? Because
4: you'd have to admit
5: it
0: happened. Exactly! They really don't want to do that.
4: Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think also with command them, normally, the average person would have... Backed up. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't have thought to challenge the command or... So I think it's possible that they thought that that would do it because they're powerful enough to do something about it if you don't, as they think. Certainly there would be people who would allow that
0: display of authority to cow them back into submission. Shane? <coughs> yeah, I have, to, I, have to
2: think, I have a question to before. But whenever it talks about how in verse 13 they say that they see that these men are mm-hmm. uneducated, it reminded me, a lot, and I recognize that they would have been following the Lord. It reminded me a lot of when Peter denied, um, denied the Lord. And here, I mean, from my thinking, why would I why would I have denied the Lord? Well, here's people that could have turned me in. I would have been in just as so much trouble as Jesus was. I might have been killed myself. I mean, we don't know why Peter denied, but I mean, that would be running through my head. So here he's denying the Lord in front of just average people who could have turned him in. Well, now, however long later, he's. Standing up for the Lord, for the people that he was afraid of finding out that he stood
0: for. Yeah, you're right. He has changed, does not he? And we can too. Have you been the kind of person who's just tried to make sure nobody found out? Well, the Lord can change us. He can make us as bold as Peter. at the Apostle's response 19-22. to
2: But Peter
5: and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than forty years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed.
0: So, what is Peter and John's immediate answer to the uh, court's orders? Sorry. Yeah, not too really. <laughs> Isn't this powerful? Yeah, <laughs> <The> a musical interlude. <laughs> Yeah, you, call it you know you tell us is it right to listen to you not God what do you say to that they're going to say yeah you better listen to us and not God you know you be the judge for we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard is that going to, you know, aid and abet their health? I mean, you know, for them to say this, I mean, right here in the face of them, they don't just go out behind their back and try to, you know, preach in some places where nobody will find out. they right there in front of them and say, we, we're not going to stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. We, uh, I got this quote out of somewhere, I've used it a couple times, but we live in the aspirin generation which views pain and suffering as calamities to be avoided at all costs. That's not the way they were. They were willing to risk pain and suffering to proclaim the Lord. Would you? Would I? Would you, would you keep preaching? when you had a court order specifically telling you don't speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And they threaten you as they did in verse 21.
1: You know, I just see great trust here. The Lord had told them. They've seen the Lord risen. And they just have such Trust now that it's going to be just like you said. And they're willing.
4: I know these people can kill them physically in this life, but you know, God's going to raise them in that second one.
0: So would we? Would we keep speaking? Would the brethren let us? (laughs) you're going to get us in trouble you're going to embarrass us
3: you'd be fired
0: yeah
1: look our preacher's in jail (laughs) It's, it's almost like would you would you keep speaking or would you file a lawsuit claiming, you know, infringement of your, your First Amendment rights <laughs> and try to make sure there's no injunction and all... Uh,
0: only you would do that, sir.
1: <laughs> all of that as opposed to just saying, I'm sorry, I, I have to speak, and what happens, happens. I,
0: my, my application is, did some of you say yes in your mind, I keep speaking? Well, well, we keep speaking when there's not threat of jail time for it? <laughs> you know, we might say, well, you know, it'd be hard, but I think I would. Well, if, if we would, when, when we might get jailed or tortured or even killed, well, would well, when we do when we don't have all those threats? When no court ever has said you can't speak or teach in his name? <laughs> I mean, do you suppose Peter and John would look at us shake their heads and say, what is keeping you from talking? Why wouldn't you be open about your faith? And you know, I'm convicted more and more as I read the book of Acts, conviction's not enough. I've got to be more bold. Be more outspoken. Talk about the law. I
2: gotta I just imagine <laughs>
0: Um, I figured there'd be some mouse comment about that.
2: Yeah. Uh, I almost imagine though, you know, one of the hard things for me is saying the words time just either being made fun of, you know. I think in school, I think a lot of that's sort a of struggle. Obviously, I'm not in school, homeschool, but I mean, I still understand what it's like to be made fun of for for believing what you believe. Um, and I can almost see Peter and John. We said, um, I'm, I'm being made fun of. I'm afraid of being made fun of. I just look at this and say, you want to trade? Yeah. You know, I'll take being made fun of any day instead of being put um, to And I think that helps me put it into perspective. You know, I could sit here and say all day. Yeah, I think I would keep speaking. And then I start thinking, you know, it's, it's a, things like that help me put things into perspective to see what's really important. I think a lot of times in my normal day life, I lose that perspective. I think just thinking of it as would I stand there and, and say
0: something when, when death is on the line? Help me
1: put perspective in, well, then why can't I just tell the cashier at Walmart?
0: Exactly. Because there's no pressure. Yeah, now, look at what happens here. They release him with the strict orders. When they'd been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. You can imagine that, can't you? And when they heard this they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said longest prayer in Acts O Lord it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them who by the Holy Spirit to the mouth of our father David your servant said why did the, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. What an amazing prayer. In every way. We may not have time to talk about all of it tonight. But but the bottom line, what do they ask for in this prayer? Bold. Boldness. What would you have asked for? Yeah, about a little relief from these authorities. You know, don't let me be hauled off before the court anymore. They don't ask for that. They just ask for the boldness to keep preaching with as much courage as they
1: have. They don't even ask that. You know, their that their enemies be put down. said, God, please take note of their threats leaving the vengeance part to God and for any retribution that's appropriate Yes.
0: now they start the prayer you know with what acknowledging who he is and who is he he's the God of all creation and therefore he is in charge he's in control nothing can thwart his plans when you understand the greatness of God absolutely speak up for him Think about who he is. And then they cite the words of Psalm 2 where David, um, there's a word for this, I don't know, he was amazed at the rebellion of the wicked as they plotted together to try to throw off the yoke of God and of his Christ. It, it's, it's a vain thing. It's a futile thing. It, you can't do it. You know, I don't care how many kings and authorities get together. They could never throw off even one rule that God has made. And so it, it, the, David is just like, what do they think they're doing? And when, when Herod and Pilate, together with the, the Jews and the Gentiles, got together to kill Jesus what in the world do they think they were doing those things against the Lord can never succeed in fact it was just what God already predestined to occur so they're putting all this in the context of God's greatness and once you understand it that way why would you ever be intimidated by the threats of a mere human being what just happened is what God Yeah. He said it was gonna happen. He's got it well in hand. They don't ask to be protected. They don't ask not to get hurt. The concern isn't their safety, the concern is spreading the message. It's amazing. And so the place was shaken so they could be more unshaken. And bolder. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's just, that's a powerful prayer. That's an amazing thing. Just amazing attitude. You preach it, and you don't hold back a thing. Comments and questions? I'm amazed that the statement could
3: be made that uh, there in verse 31, they began to speak the Word of God with boldness, almost as though they hadn't really been...
0: Been speaking it just uh, boldly as that now they finally get bold <laughs> <laughs>
4: well
0: I'll tell you we'll see in the next chapter what they did before is nothing compared to what they're going to do in fact in the next several chapters the persecution grows and I think their boldness grows you know wait till you get Stephen's speech
3: Comments. Alan Malone said that that's what happened to him too. That the more he was in Vietnam, I've forgotten where, Indonesia, Uh, the more uh, the opposition got bold against him, uh, the more he saw there was nothing really to the opposition, and God was on his side. And the more bold he got. Other thoughts?
2: Going back to the thought
5: of these people praying for confidence and boldness, and how they have a desire to evangelize. We see that they don't have a want to preach just out of convenience, or just whenever things are just alright. We see that whatever comes their way, that they're going to speak in this boldness. You see that they are preaching out of principle. Yes. that they aren't just going to preach in certain situations and not in others And we need to be the exact same we need to be more principled in our desire to evangelize and share the gospel with others
0: and that's exactly right you know where should we preach to whom should we preach you know who needs the gospel
4: everywhere and everyone
0: show me the person who doesn't you know, where should the name of the Lord be praised and exalted? Everywhere on the planet he created. Other thoughts and comments? All right, well, why don't we stop there then? But that's a really good. Good passage. Thanks for your comments. Very helpful to, you know, think through this and talk about it. I don't think, uh, I don't think there's a way that talking about it does it justice, but, uh, you know, we can uh, do what we can with that. So we'll uh, start working, Lord willing, Acts 4.32 next uh,
4: Thursday.